broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. Another day, another three hours. Ready to talk with you. Excited about the opportunity. Of course, getting ready for another game coming up on Sunday as the Raiders prepare to travel to Seattle post-Thanksgiving and take on the Seattle Seahawks Sunday. Of course, you can hear that game right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Danny is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio holding it down for DeMond, who is uh, out and about. He is uh, flying around the world. No, actually, he's just on vacation uh, getting a little bit of family time. I believe he said he was headed to Illinois, so he'll be out until Monday. But uh, Danny's holding it down in studio, so there's no pressure there, Danny. I mean, no pressure at all. I mean, I know, you, you know you've you had your uh, on-the-job training. You do everything really well on ESPN Las Vegas with the press box. But, I mean, DeMond's not a big dude, but he's got some big uh, shoes to fill there. So no pressure there, Danny. That's right. I'm not feeling any pressure. Let's do this. <laughs> you never actually – I don't know why I talk to you about pressure. You're the guy who's got to bet on just about everything and known to man. There's no pressure that you ever feel. I mean, if you want to know about my uh, World Cup bets from this morning, all you got to do is ask. I really don't. I don't believe that you got World Cup bets from this morning, but I do believe that you have World Cup bets from this morning because I know you really well. But, no, man, it's, it's a, I'm so happy to have you riding with us for the next few days. Man, I appreciate you stepping up and stepping in for uh, DeMond while he's uh, getting some R&R and meeting and hanging out with some family, and he'll be back on Monday. So we're here to rock with you for the next three hours. Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Had an opportunity earlier today to talk to head coach Josh McDaniels. He met with us just about a couple hours ago, a little bit later than normal. Normally, he talks to us around 10 o'clock in the morning, sometimes a little earlier than that. Uh, got to talk with him around noon, and the Raiders had a walkthrough today. We found out that Nate Hobbs was going to participate in the walkthrough, and they're going to make a decision on if he plays Sunday or not against Seattle, and that would be huge. That would be massive to get Nate Hobbs back, uh, just to add another piece to that Raiders defense, who we know it's not a star-studded affair. We know it's not a shutdown defense, but obviously as they showed on Sunday against the Broncos. They could show up, and they can help, and they can participate, and they can do some really good things helping the Raiders get that victory against the Denver Broncos. And they're going to need that defense on Sunday against Seattle because unlike Denver, they are clicking offensively a lot better than the Broncos did. Geno Smith, and I still never believed that in November, late November, I'd be talking about Geno Smith having a really good season, but he has. And you got to give him a lot of credit for that. He's earned a lot of money either with Seattle or another team coming up in 2023. But whatever the case may be, he's earned that money, and you got to give him a lot of credit. And he's been doing some really good things there in Seattle. And when Pete Carroll said that they're comfortable with Geno Smith or Drew Locke, I, I laughed him right out the building, right? I just laughed like there's no way he could be serious about that, only to find out that, well, in fact, he is serious about that. Geno's doing some really good things. Again, I don't know if that's the long-term solution there in Seattle, but it's a solution right now, and he's doing okay. Of course, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Kenneth Walker. I mean, they have weapons, no doubt about it. They have weapons offensively and, uh, and a really good offensive line. And for the longest, the Seattle Seahawks, their offensive line has been real suspect. So we'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels throughout the course of the show today. Got a lot of great guests to get to. I'm very excited about it. We've got three of the most... I want to say powerful women in uh, sports sports radio these days. I mean, some really high-profile young ladies that uh, cover NFL like a glove. Jen Mueller is going to start us off from Root Sports coming up at 2.30. She's also the Seahawks radio sideline reporter. She does a fantastic job. 
She's been covering the league. She's been a sideline reporter for a very long time. You know, we like to get previews on the next next team coming up. We talked to Curtis Crabtree uh, from yesterday on the show, talking a little Seattle Seahawks. We'll give you another preview today about the Seahawks, and then we'll get another one on Black Friday as I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings. I'll give you that location a little bit later on in the show. But Jen Mueller, Root Sports, and also Seahawks radio sideline reporter, will join us at 2.30 to talk all things Seattle Seahawks. At 3 o'clock, one of my really good friends, Amber Theo Harris, Sirius XM Radio, Silver and Black Show. She does a lot of work with the Silver and Black, and every time I get an opportunity to, to uh, talk to her at a home game, I'm always sitting in the press box right next to her, and we're just kind of exchanging ideas all the time. And she's telling me what she's seeing. I'm telling her what I'm seeing, and we just kind of go back and forth. And so Amber is really, first of all, great people. Great people. She's an awesome person, has uh, great kids, great family and everything, but uh, she knows her stuff. And so uh, very blessed to have Amber Theo Harris joining the show coming up at 3 o'clock to talk about what she saw from the Silver and Black against the Denver Broncos and her expectations this week versus Seattle Seahawks. Then at 3.30 every single Wednesday around this time, we have Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She'll give us our UNLV fix. And, Danny, did you have a bet? i got to ask you this because I don't know the answer to this. Did you place a bet on UNLV being bowl eligible in 2022? I did not, no. (laughs) You had no faith in them, huh? No, it wasn't even that. Uh, I've bet on them a couple times throughout the season. I just didn't want to go season long because – I mean, with their history, I wasn't sure how this year was going to go, but the beginning of the year surprised me, and the last six weeks have surprised me. Yeah, I didn't think that they'd be on a six-game losing streak, and I sure didn't think that they would go to Hawaii and take an L. Uh, They just can't lose that game, right? That was one that they had to have, and then, of course, this week they've got the battle for the Fremont Cannon, and that's a big one that's going on at Legion Stadium on Saturday. That's a big one, but, man, I mean, even if they win on Saturday, they cannot be uh, bowl eligible. They can't win those six games, but I know there's, in theory, still a way that they can become a bowl eligible team. They could end up going to a bowl game, and that's been going on for a few years now where teams don't get to six wins, but they still end up in a bowl game. I cannot stand that. I can't stand it. I get it, right? There's not enough bowl-eligible teams and, you know, this, that, and the other. It's like some kind of formula goes into it. But look, man, six games is the standard. If you can't win six games, you can't go to a bowl game, right? I mean, that should be what it is. But I know that there's a chance that they could still end up in a bowl game. But like I said, I'm not a fan of how, you know, how these kind of things, uh, you know, come together. So, I mean, you win six, you're in. Great. You don't, you're not. You're going home. I mean, that's – it's, it's really simple as far as I'm concerned. But there's a chance that UNLV could, uh, could do that. Their basketball team, let's talk about the Running Rebels. I mean, talking about the football team, how about the Running Rebels? They're 5-0, and and they, uh, they got an opportunity tonight to play against Minnesota, and they're in, what, the SoCal Championship right now. They're playing a little bit of tournament. Like, there's a lot of tournaments going on. I'm actually at my home studio looking at the Maui Invitational right now, and uh, that looks like a hell of a place to be. And, hell, UNLV was just about in the Maui Invitational last week, and they took that loss to Hawaii. I mean, it just – Unbelievable. But what did you think about the start to the to the uh, season for the, the running Rebels on the hoop court? I think it's a fantastic start, especially with that win over Dayton. That could, yeah. that could help propel them, especially into conference play at the end of December. But you just got to get through this non-conference schedule. If you can get through that undefeated, we might be looking at a top 25 Rebel team going into conference play. I mean, you really could. You really could. And I'm glad DeMond's not here because he'd be pumping up his chest talking about my UNLV Rebels. Look, man, that's what he did with the football team, and we all see how that fell off real quick. So I like to put the blame on DeMond, especially while he's not here to defend himself. We'll blame DeMond for the, the struggles of the uh, of the football team. Oh, yeah, no doubt. This is all DeMond's fault. The six-game <laughs> losing streak, I can't believe he did this to them. 
<laughs> he catches slugs when he's not here. That's funny. Well, Paloma Villacana, she'll join us at 3.30 from Fox 5 Sports, talking all things UNLV, both the Rebels and the Running Rebels at 4 o'clock. Vinny Bonsignor from the Morning Tailgate right here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and also the Review Journal. He'll join the show. Uh, he's there at practice right now at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center where I was a couple hours ago, but now I'm back at the, the home studio. And as I mentioned, Danny is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Vinny's going to go into the locker room, talk to the guys. Last week before they left for Denver, we heard the locker room was real upbeat. We heard that there was a lot of uh, excitement. The guys had their heads up. And then they went to Denver and they got the dub. So I, I want to get the mood of the locker room today. I know tomorrow we'll have some locker room access. So while we're off the radio, we're still putting in work, Raider Nation. Please believe. I know that, again, we don't have radio shows tomorrow. Just go ahead and put that in your notes. But we will. Working. So the, the locker room will be open tomorrow. So I'll be at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center making sure that, you know, we get everything that we need and we'll bring it to the table on Friday. Uh, work doesn't stop. And, and that's for the fellas in the locker room. And that's for us as well as we bring you and try to provide as much coverage as possible. So uh, Vinny will give us all the details today of what's going on. And then uh, tomorrow we'll keep that 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 train rolling and uh friday of course we'll head into the weekend the right way on black friday that's right so it'll be a lot of people out and about around the area but uh we'll be doing our thing and providing as much raider coverage as possible Vinny bonson york joins the show coming up at four o'clock then at four thirty, former raider fullback just a all-around great dude but the senior vice president chief of staff former raider fullback marcel reese he'll join the show at four thirty. talk about an event that he was uh, a part of yesterday just giving back to the community uh helping hand out turkeys just doing all kind of really good things around the Las Vegas community, something that the Raiders have been very dedicated to since they've been here. It's always a pleasure to catch up with Marcel Reese, so we'll talk to him at 4.30. I know he talked to JT on Tuesday's show, but just kind of want to recap on how everything went, so uh, we'll get a few minutes with Marcel Reese coming up at 4.30. So that's a hell of a lineup that we have scheduled for you. Not to mention, we want to get your calls and texts as well, 702-365-9200. Text line is always wide open like some old school TV antennas at 69187, keyword r 2.30, Jeb Mueller, Root Sports. Seahawks radio Raider radio sideline reporter will join the show. Amber Theo Harris at three, Paloma Villacana three thirty, Vinny Bossignor at four, and closing things out with Marcel Reese at four thirty. Hell of a lineup we got. Let's jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You know, before the Raiders broke their three-game losing streak that they were on as they knocked off the Denver Broncos to get back into the win column, picking up their third win of the season, all we continued to hear from guys in the locker room, coaches, and everyone, and sometimes it kind of falls on deaf ears, and sometimes it just becomes like coach speak or, you know, just what you expect to hear, but we kept hearing that we're close, we're close. I know Max Crosby said we're close so many times. Devontae Adams, we're close. We're just a play here, a play there. Guys just need to be able to be on point at all times. And then you see what they do on Sunday against the Broncos. And I'm not saying everything is cured because it's clearly not. They had a lot of issues in that game that had them behind late and they had to come back and win. I've said it a long time ago. I said, you know, I felt like this team was really talented and I overestimated how talented they were. But you can see where they're really good, and you can see the areas that they still need to improve. So that's what I really want to kind of focus in on today is the areas of improvement. You know, like every time you hear coaches and players say that this team is good or this team is close, I, I kind of want to take a second to say, okay, well, how close do you think they are? So, Raider Nation, I want to throw that question out there to you. How close do you think this team is to being good? Not great. Not saying the AFC West champs. I'm not saying a team that's going to make a deep run in the Super Bowl, but there's a fine line in the NFL. 
I mean, you look at teams like, let me just throw the Minnesota Vikings out there. They were 8-1 and one going into that Cowboys game, and they got worked. They got waxed. 40-3. to three. They look like amateurs in that game against the Cowboys. And honestly, I don't think the Cowboys are that great. I think the Cowboys are a good team, but I don't think they're that great. But they waxed them. 40-3. to three, Right? And then you see teams like, you know, the Giants who have a really good record. And you see the Detroit Lions give them the business. Right? I mean, there's just, it's so funny. There's a very small, I think, line in the NFL right now between the teams that are great and the teams that are good and then the teams that are kind of on the fringe of being right there. I think that the Raiders on the outside looking in, obviously, they're not good yet, but how close are they to being good? They have good players, right? They have some elite players. Devontae Adams is one of the best in the league at his position. Max Crosby is one of the best in the league in his position. Josh Jacobs is one of the best in the league in his position, right? I mean, they have key, key parts, key components. I know the offensive line needs to be, you know, worked together, put together, you know, fixed up. I get it. I know the defense has some areas. I think Nate Hobbs is a really good player. He still has some more to prove. You know, Rock has moments where I think he's good. But I think there's a fine line. I feel like there's a fine line. Remember, Denver was supposed to be an elite team, right? They're they're same record as the Raiders. The Chargers, they were supposed to be elite. Do they really look that elite? No. They look okay, right? I mean, there's just, again, it's, it's so funny. And the NFL loves this, by the way. The NFL loves this. They don't like the fact that there's teams sometimes that, that just take off and run away with everything. I mean, look at it right now. Really, no, but even Buffalo. Remember how much hype Buffalo had heading into the season? They're going to be represented in the Super Bowl. They're going to be that team. Uh, I mean, they're all right. <laughs> right? I mean, they're all right. They're good. Right? They have a good record. But they might not even have home field advantage when it's all said and done. They might not. They might have to go on the road, and that was going to be their advantage was the fact that they were going to be a home field advantage team. They were going to be that stinking good. I mean, look at the NFC East. I've talked about the, the Cowboys, but look. I mean, hell, look at the Redskins. Oh, not the Redskins, excuse me. Look at the Commanders, <laughs> right? Look, I mean, look at them. That whole division is, is 500 or better. And I don't think any of those teams are elite. Even Philadelphia. I like Philly. I like Jalen Hurts. I don't think that they're elite. I just think that they're, they're, they're really good. I think they're a playoff team. But if you tell me that Philly's going to go to the playoffs and they're going to lose in the, in the first round, it wouldn't shock me, right? I mean, because they're just not they're not next level elite. Now you see they got a little a little bit of a leaky uh, run defense. That's why they went out and made the move for Sue. That's why they went out and made the move for Linval Joseph, waiting for Jordan Davis to return. They got a leaky defensive line. So no team is perfect by by far, right? <laughs> I mean, even the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the league, and even they have issues. Even they've got holes in the in the in the defense. They just happen to have a quarterback who who you know makes all that stink go away. I mean, he's just that stinking good. So the question I throw out there to you: How close is this team to being good, and how much tweaking or cleaning up do you think there still needs to be done? Seven zero two three six five nine two hundred six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. I'll tell you one of the biggest issues I think the Raiders have, and then we'll go out to the phone lines. I think it's just the penalties. If you eliminate something that. Josh McDaniels and company said a lot during training camp, not going to beat ourselves, not going to beat ourselves, not going to shoot ourselves in the foot, not going to have first and long, second and long, third and long, not going to do that. Guess what? Even against Denver, they had first and long, 20, second and long, third and long. You can't continue to have that. Every, you're not going to overcome that all the time. If the Raiders just eliminated the dumb penalties that they get, and I do mean even some of the effort penalties are just dumb. Like I'm not mad at the Max Crosby penalty, the roughing the passer on Russell Wilson, because I think that was a suspect slide. That was a terrible slide. That was more like a crumble. 
That was almost like an RG3 slide back in the day. Remember how bad RG3 was at sliding? I never understood that. He's a hell of an athlete, but he couldn't slide to save his, save his life. He was awful. That Russell Wilson slide was garbage. It's almost like he just kind of, like I say, people fall in sections sometimes. It looked like he fell in sections. Like his body crumbled in threes. And he ain't the biggest dude to be falling in threes, right? So it just looked like he crumbled and then Max Crosby hit him. So I'm not even mad at that one. But, I mean, just some of the illegal formations, the the – holding when it's unnecessary, you know, you get a big play from Josh Jacobs, then all of a sudden it's coming back because of a, you know, illegal block or Mac Hollins has some kind of, it's just silly stuff. If you could just eliminate, just be a clean team. If you are a clean football team, and I mean clean by penalties, if you're a clean football team and you just go out there and lose, you lose. But, man, don't give them all those yards. What, they have almost 100 yards in penalty yardage this last game? You can't consistently have that. So, for me, if I could say I need them to do one tweak and clean up one area of the game. I won't even look at personnel. I'll look at that. I'll look at the the penalties that they get. But I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Of course, 69187, keyword R&R. We've got uh, Jed Mueller, Root Sports, Seahawks Radio, sideline reporter coming up at 2.30. But uh, let's go out to the phone lines right now. I know we got a lot of good callers hitting us up, including Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Thank you. Hey, man. Uh, I, I, I just think our defense, and you can go look back in the last 20-some years, and I know we're not supposed to look back, but it's the same old issue. I mean, we have not changed. The defense has just been bad, and you, you, you can say whatever you want about penalties and this. It's the same issues. The defense, the defense has been bad for the last 20 years. The, the biggest change to me is, is change players. You, okay. you change players, and it's still the problem. It's, it's still, it's still, you still having problems. So my thing is this: you got draft better, which we know with McDaniel's and them, they they probably will draft better in the first round than Gruden and, and Mayock. Second thing is that yeah, you saying penalties and all this other stuff, but the biggest thing is quarterback. You mentioned Kansas City; they they're not a, they're, our roster actually is better than theirs. And the Chargers roster is better than theirs. But, you know, the difference is, is that they got an elite quarterback, and that's why they win it. And the team, you go okay. look at the teams that's winning, they got elite quarterback. I'm not saying their car is not elite. I mean, and they, y'all can roast me, do whatever you want to say. But he's not elite. He's, he's in the bottom. He, he's after 10. He's like in the middle of the pack. But he's not elite. To win in this league uh, – you, you need an elite quarterback consistently, and we haven't had that. And it's just our roster overall. But, but Q. So, 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 so let me ask you this real quick. I don't mean to cut you off, but let me ask you this real quick. What would you like to see tweaked to make the team better? What, what we need to, to, to tweak is get better. We need to change, get linebackers, tweak the linebackers, and the, and, and the DBs. That's it. Okay. And, and can, can I say one thing? Yep, go for I'll it. I'll say one more thing. Yep. Q. Why? Okay, Zach Wilson was 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 um he they they sat Zach Wilson down. Yeah. Why 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 the Raiders are, are are bent on starting Chandler Jones? Man, I watched the tape yesterday. I rewatched the game yesterday, and I watched the last year when he was in Arizona. I watched that game where he had the five sacks the first game, and yep. he had no sacks after that. Why the Raiders won't sit him and put Coons? I I even want to see Clem Farrell. In, in there before before him, why they won't do it? I don't understand it. I understand you paying him, but sometimes you got to, for the better of the team, 
Max Crosby is not going to have a game like he had in Denver every week. And right. you need somebody else on the other side. And that's it. That's all I said. Hey, Q, and you guys have a good Thanksgiving, man. Love the show. The, the, the Raiders flag station, man, is great, man. You guys don't know what you have done for us, and we appreciate it, and we thank you guys. But the, you, you got the defense. Go look at it. Last 20 years, right. the defense has been ranked in – from all the way from 15 all the way down to 20. That's what you got to tweet. You got to figure out the defense okay. some way and somehow. And that's it. Thanks, Q. You hey. have a good Thanksgiving. Everybody, too, uh, have a good Thanksgiving, Raider Nation. Hey, great call, man. Great call. Appreciate you. Love the love the breakdowns right there. And it's funny, you know, and that's Raider Mac right there hitting us up. It's funny. I, I spent quite a bit of time last week talking about defense. It cost some, cost some blowback. Talking about defense, right? Because, well, the money wasn't invested or the draft picks weren't dra- invested or the players weren't there in defense. But I talked a lot about the defense because I do feel like Raider Mac is absolutely right. It's not just been a year or two years or four years with the Raiders in their defense. It's been a very long time, very long time. So I would love, and I said it last week when I was catching hell for talking about the defense, right? <laughs> I was having back and forth arguments about the defense because I was talking about them and why are you focused on the defense? It should be the offense. Okay, well, that's why I was talking about the defense because they do need improvement. They do. Absolutely right. Chandler Jones, Raider Mac, I'm with you. If you're not going to perform, sit down. I'm okay with that. Zach Wilson, they sat him down. Now, I get it. Zach Wilson's on a rookie contract, so it's a little different, but the Jets feel like that they're in a position to win. And, you know, going to the quarterbacks real quick, you ain't got to have an elite quarterback to win. I, I agree 100% Derek Carr is not elite, and I don't think any of us ever said that. We all said that he's, you know, 12, 13, 14. In that range is fair. I think that that's fair, but Tua in Miami's not elite. They're in first place. Uh, Mac Jones in New England's definitely not elite. They have six wins in New England. They're tied for second in, in their division. Baltimore, I think that Lamar is elite with his legs, and he's really good with his arm. Joe Burrow is a really good quarterback. Uh, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, they're in first place. I know damn well Ryan Tannehill's not elite. Uh, let's see. The Chiefs with with Patrick Mahomes, he is elite. Behind him, the Chargers at 5-5 five and five with Justin Herbert. Everyone thinks he's elite, but he hasn't done it yet. Philadelphia, they're in first at 9-1. and one. I think Jalen Hurts is really good. I've been a fan of his since he was at Alabama, but even before he went to Oklahoma. I don't think he's elite. I think he's good. Dak is in second with the Cowboys. They're 7-3. and three. He's not elite. Daniel Jones, he didn't get his fifth-year option picked up. He might not even be back with the team next year, and they have seven wins. So there's that. So my point is you can win with the guys you have. Look at the commanders who are in last in the NFC East. They got six wins. They couldn't. They can't buy a quarterback. They can't buy a quarterback, right? They have Carson Wentz. They have Tyler Heineke. They have this guy, that guy, that I mean, they've got. they've got, I mean, they've got a bunch of guys. They got a bunch of Jags, just another guy. Heineke provides a little something-something. The Vikings, they got Kirk Cousins. He's not elite. The elite quarterback in that division is in third with four wins. That's Aaron Rodgers. Tampa Bay, Tom Brady's not elite right now. He's an elite quarterback. Don't get me wrong. His career is elite. He ain't elite right now. Marcus Mariota was the Raiders' backup quarterback last year in Atlanta. They got five wins. He's not elite. Jimmy G, they tried to get rid of him in San Francisco. He's in first. They tried to get rid of him. They made him cut his contract just to keep him around. And lucky for them, they did. He ain't elite. And, oh, by the way, the team that the Raiders are facing this, this week, Seattle Seahawks, Geno Smith, he's tied for first. Guess what? He ain't elite. He ain't elite. He's barely good. He's had a good year. 
He's cashed in. He's going to make some money. But he's, uh, he's definitely not elite. Let's go back out to the phone lines real quick and talk to our friend Gangster Raider. What's on your mind, brother? Welcome to the show. What's up, Q? What's going on? Oh, you, you got it? I, mean? I just want to say I want to apologize to the Raider Nation because before the season started, I pumped everybody up and said this was going to be a great season, which I believed at the time. And I even said we were going to go undefeated, which I was terribly wrong about that. And I just want to apologize to everybody I told to go bet that we will win more than six games, too. And I'll be in Vegas on New Year's Day. Meet me at the Tavern and Grill. Everybody that made a bet because of me, I'll buy you a drink or whatever. Meet me <laughs> at the Tavern and Grill on New Year's Day. But um, my thing is, um, as far as adjustments, I think our first down play calling needs to be adjusted because the play calling, if, even if we don't run the ball, we should do play action. But a lot of times on first down, we come out with an empty backfield on first down, and that's letting the defense off the hook to me because they don't have to worry about the threat of the run. Mm-hmm. They don't have to worry about the run at all. And then usually they shut down the play, so then it's a second and long. And then when we run the ball in, if we don't get a large run, then it's automatically set us up for third and long. So I think the play calling on first down needs to be, even if we don't run the ball, have a run set where you can use play action so they they still at least have to worry about the run and we have a chance of having a more successful um, first down play generating four more yards. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And also as far as um, the opponent coming up, I'm more worried about um, Pete Carroll than Geno Smith because – Pete Carroll seems to be the um, X factor because you see Russell Wilson without Pete Carroll is garbage. And you see what Pete Carroll is doing with Geno. He got Geno looking like, you know, like he's not Geno. Right, right, yeah. So Yeah, so (laughs) I'm more concerned about Pete Carroll, and I think Josh McDaniels has to come out and out Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. He needs needs to call the plays that's going to put us in optimal position to score and – and if we can avoid the red zone altogether, like if we can <laughs> score from like the 30 or 40-yard <laughs> out, but hey, you know what I'm saying? If once we get in the red zone, we have to. It's pertinent. We have to score a touchdown, even if we use all four downs. We have to score a touchdown. And if we don't um, if we don't convert, then we turn the ball over in our um, red zone. You know what I'm saying? So yep. that should be an a advantage to the defense. You know what I'm saying? But that's what I look at it. And so – the adjustments, we need better play calling on okay. first down and better tackling on defense. That's what I – because I think we're a good team. We just don't execute, we don't finish, and we don't tackle. You know there what I'm saying? Go. So yeah. we, we, we're a good team on paper, but until we execute, tackle, and have better play calling, we're just going to be a good team on paper. Ready right. Nation, stand up and have a happy every day. Not just a happy Thanksgiving, but a happy every day from Gangster Raid. I'm gone. Hey, great call, man. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that kind of breakdown right there, right? Better play calling on first down. Fair enough, right? Better, uh, d- better tackling. There's tons of missed tackles, including my guy Trayvon Merrick. Plenty of missed tackles defensively. I like that. One quick text, and we'll take a break. Mailman Raider Max said, Q, all those quarterbacks you name have a better defense than the Raiders. Our defense just plain sucks, which goes back to my question of what needs to happen. Okay, well, in that case, if all those defenses are carrying all those quarterbacks that I mentioned with winning records, then it would make me think that the Raiders' ne- defense needs to be improved, right? Going back to the conversation I had last week, quick tweet from uh, NFL on CBS. They said, quarterbacks whose team has allowed the most points per game in his start since the merger, minimum 50 starts. Derek Carr is number one. The points that Derek Carr's defenses have given up, and I'm not blaming Derek Carr's defenses for every loss. I'm not saying that. 
Not at all. It's a team sport. I get it. But just to put it in perspective, and then we take a break, Derek Carr's defenses have given up 26.3 points per game in his starts. We know how long he's been in the league. We know how long he's been around. That is number one. Chad Henney is behind him at 25.7. Mark Bolger at 25.4. And then Dante Culpepper, 25.2. None of those other three are even in the league anymore. Right? Derek Carr has found a way to stick around the league, even with bad defenses and a losing record. So it obviously shows that he's got a little something-something in the tank. But hit us up, 69187, keyword r Let us know what you would like to see. What? How much tweaking or cleaning up do you think needs to be done for this team to be like Gangster Raiders said, not a good team on paper, but a good team on the field? 228 the time. Jen Mueller, Root Sports, Seahawks Radio, Soundline Reporter. She'll join us next. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Right now we're efforting Jim Mueller, Root Sports, Seahawks Radio sideline reporter, to give us an update on all things Seattle Seahawks related. I did throw out there on the text line at 69187, keyword r What kind of tweaks, what kind of changes need to be made? What cleaning up still needs to happen in order for the Raiders to be a good team? Like Gangster Raider, I think he said it perfect. They're a good team on at least a top 15. If you want to give him the low end, I'll say he's a top 15 quarterback in the league. And that is a quarterback I believe the Raiders could win with. Uh, to improve from the 5-3-0 says, defense continue to blitz, but don't disguise it seven yards away. That's too far. Offense, try Stidham in the red zone. Mobile quarterbacks near the goal line can only help. Special teams, fair catch every punt. Penalties kill us. Don't let Cole return kicks until he weighs more than 150 pounds. And I'll say this about Stidham. He's not really a mobile quarterback. I mean, he can move. But he's not really a mobile quarterback. He might run a little bit more than Derek Carr does, right? But I just I, – I, I don't think that putting Stidham out there would be – make a whole lot of sense. Throwing out a guy like Marcus Mariota, that makes sense. But throwing out a guy like Stidham, I, I don't see it. Um, I like to continue to blitz, especially when they blitz Denzel Perryman and he gets to the quarterback. I mean, he hit Russell Wilson a couple times on Sunday really hard. I could appreciate that. That was a, a big-time hit right there uh, from Denzel. And so if they do that, continue to do that defensively, that would make a whole lot of sense. And, yeah, Keelan Cole, I, I don't I don't know. I, I get nervous when he's back there receiving punts. I'm not going to lie to you. I, when I see him back there, I'm thinking, man, I mean, we had all those conversations about Hunter Renfro, and you don't want to put him back there because uh, he's too valuable a piece to the, to the puzzle. And now he's on IR, but, man, I get nervous when I see Keelan Cole back there receiving punts. We'll get back to your text and calls in just a few minutes talking about how to continue to improve this Raiders roster. Joining us now on the phone lines to give us a Seahawks point of view and just kind of a rundown of what to expect this Sunday is Jen Mueller from Root Sports, Seahawks radio sideline reporter. And, Jen, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. And first off, sideline reporter to sideline reporter, is that not the best job in the world out, so so be it. I mean, there's every once in a while you have the bad weather, but that's got to be the best job in the in the NFL, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> the best job anywhere is to be on the sidelines of an NFL game. Yes, you and I, we we understand, and you have to take the good with the bad. And I'm just going to say, it might be bad weather this weekend on the sidelines, but <laughs> I do think we're just the crazy ones that embrace it and and just kind of feel like we're just part of it. 
I mean, it's nothing better, though, than being able to follow the ball and be right on top of it and then get the instant reaction of the players when they come yes. off the field. Isn't that great? Yes, <laughs> yes. And I just you just feel like you're so into the game, and you really have to be. Like, there's no down moment. Everybody's like, well, you know, how come – how come you didn't respond to my text or my tweet? I'm like, do you understand what happens when you have a commercial break? What we are actually doing? Yeah, no, it's awesome. It really awesome. is. <laughs> and this Seahawks team, I'm going to tell you, this is a fun one to watch from the sidelines. The personalities of this team, they, um, they're really fun, entertaining, and energetic. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. I mean, when Russell Wilson gets traded in the offseason and the conversation is, well, it's going to be Drew Locke or Geno Smith, I, I just laughed at it. I was like, okay, sounds good, right? And then, well, here we are, and they're tied for first place in the NFC West. How fun has this season been? It's been really fun to watch a team exceed outside expectations. From the beginning, Pete Carroll had some pretty high expectations for this group. And, of course, the team doesn't talk about – you know, predicting the number of wins. But mm -hmm. Pete recognized that there was something special in these young guys. It's been really fun to watch the rookies play like vets and to watch Geno Smith make the most of this opportunity. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not see this type of performance coming from him. And I am thrilled for him. I thought what you were going to see is a very efficient offense, right? Hitting some of those underneath routes, utilizing the tight ends more. And they've done that. But also, Geno's throwing bombs, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, it's an explosive offense, and it is so fun to watch. What has been the biggest reason, in your opinion, for them being able to come together the way they have? And, and really, what's helped Geno play at the level he's playing? This is the first time he's done this in his career. I think a lot of what Geno is doing is finally getting a chance to capitalize on the maturity and the growth that he has had behind the scenes. Mm. It's not fair to compare him to what he was right. with the Jets, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that he's a totally different person. He's a totally different quarterback, and he has been grinding behind the scenes. When you talk to the guys who had to go against him as the scout team quarterback the last couple of years, none of his success is surprising him. I, I mean, he, he was doing this in practice. I, I probably wasn't paying as much attention to it as I should have <laughs> been, but there's that. As far as the team coming together – there were a lot of changes. There's mm -hmm. a lot of new faces, whether it's rookies or it's guys that you brought in from the outside. And I think it's just been a chance to establish a new identity. And when you have people that are at that stage of their career, whether it is, you know, the second chance or the, you know, like this is my first big chance, I, I do think it just brings them together in a different way. Also, you're staying on schedule. From an offensive standpoint, you're staying on schedule. Anytime you have success and you can stay on the field and stay on schedule, it's pretty easy to get buy-in and then have that chemistry come together. Again, we're talking with Jen Mueller from Root Sports. She's a Seahawks radio sideline reporter here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Kenneth Walker, he steps in yeah. when Rashad Penny goes down and the, and the Seahawks don't miss a beat. And he was great at Michigan State. He's been yeah. great. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the offensive line. I mean, the, if you have a really good running back, usually the offensive line is doing some good things. That had been an issue for the Seahawks for – for some years, right? And all of a sudden now it looks like they're doing some really good things up front. What has that offensive line been doing so far this year? They've been awesome and with two rookie tackles. You have Charles Cross, who was the first-round pick on the left side, and you've got Abe Lucas out of Washington State on the right side. Both of these guys coming out of air raid systems both played under Mike Leach in mm. college. 
So to watch them do, that was kind of the big question mark, right? We know that you can pass block, but can you run block? And every offensive lineman is going to tell you it's easier to go forward than backward. So you've got nice, you know, edges set. I would also say this. The offensive line in the past had a different quarterback running the system. Right. I do think the timing is much, much different if you watch Geno and how quickly he can get the ball out or, you know, kind of the routes that they're choosing to go with now instead of some of those deep developing, you know, long developing plays. But as for Ken Walker, he is he's learning to take those one and two yard gains that he's not used to because in college he could <laughs> routinely break a good run, right? Right, yeah. And just chip away and chip away. And he's got this like little bit of like, like, like side to side, start, stop, a little Barry Sanders. I'm not comparing him to right. it, but you'll, you'll see on Sunday, it's a very different running style, but still aggressive. Yeah, no, he was a lot of fun to watch back at Michigan State. He was dynamic, and you're right. I mean, in Michigan State, he was hitting home run after home run after home run. Sometimes you got to be patient, and, you know, that's yep. what he's obviously shown. Were you, there shouldn't have been a surprise, but were you kind of surprised that he was able to, to latch on as quickly as he was after Penny went down? I am a little bit, only because it can take guys a little while to get that timing down, right? Mm-hmm. And he yeah. hadn't had as many snaps because Penny was getting all the looks. He should have. He was in a rhythm. And for a guy like Walker who needs those reps, you know, to find that rhythm and and to ultimately hit those home runs, I am a little bit surprised. Also, I have watched him come to a complete dead stop behind the line of scrimmage after taking the handoff and thinking, way to go, Rook. You're going to get taken down for like a five-yard loss. And then watch him go for like 16 or 25 or something crazy. Like, yeah. I'm so amazed. It's his explosiveness, really, is what I, I guess I'm getting at, right? Like, I am so surprised that that running style, otherwise you would say it's indecisive, right? right? You'd say he's dancing. He's not dancing. He's just waiting. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Sunday. I know that. Again, we're talking all things Seahawks with Jim Mueller here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So as far as the defense goes, the way that the Raiders butter their bread these days is by Josh Jacobs, a heavy dose of Josh Jacobs. Yep. How has the, the run defense for the Seahawks been this year? Well, so that's been a little bit of a mixed bag, okay. right? And if you look at the early games, those rushing yards are out of control. And part of that is they switched defensive schemes this year, and they switched defensive coordinators. So now it's a 3-4 front, but really if you look at how they play, they're not in that front very often just by virtue of how our division plays. But what they did was at week six, they gave the defensive line and those guys rushing the opportunity to be more aggressive, and that has paid off. I say that. And if you go back to the game against Tampa in Munich two weeks ago before our bye, the Bucks ran for 161. I, right. I mean, you didn't expect Tampa to run for anything, and it was all over the place. And so what I would say is this defense is ready to show that they have recommitted to stuffing that. So there has been a good stretch, and this week is going to be a good test for sure. And I personally am curious to see you guys run with a lot of fullbacks. Right? Yeah, yep, yep, yeah, yep. There's a lot of fullback. It, Shelby Harris said it's just another guy to hit, right? It's just another <laughs> guy who's going to get hit. But I'm really curious to see because that's, that's an old school kind of football style that I kind of wish we saw a little bit more often. But um, yeah, the, this defense is anxious to prove that the Bucks game was just a fluke and that they are that team that we have seen from week six on. 
Well, another matchup that I'm excited to see what it looks like is Devontae Adams against whoever decides that they're going to take him. Yes. And, uh, is Seattle, does Seattle, do they shadow guys or do they just left side, right side? It's going to be left side, right side. Okay. And the matchup I cannot wait to see is the rookie Tariq Woolen on the right side. Mm-hmm. He's got five interceptions this year, and he's a former wide receiver out of the University of Texas, San Antonio. So he reads routes so well. And what we saw, I think it was the week before we went to Munich. Everything starts running together for a while. (laughs) You know, like, he's still working on his technique. But Mm -hmm. what we saw is him add, like, the last pieces of that. He's always been fluid and good, but now he's got, like, a different type of reach. And and he's using his body in a little bit different way. Uh, It's going to be fun to watch him and Devontae. He's, He's matched up against great receivers. Yeah. already this year. This one's going to be a fun one. Well, and then Tariq Woolen, to his credit, has makeup speed as well. I mean, he's got the yes. speed, so if Devontae runs one of those crisp routes, he can still catch up. Yes, and what he's gotten better at is understanding how physical he can be on that, because sometimes, you know, early in the year, he closed, right? He used mm-hmm. that speed to close, but then you'd come in and you'd jostle just a little too much and you'd get a flag that you didn't need to take, because you were already right there. He's gotten better at that. But I think what Devontae's going to do better than any wide receiver he's seen this year, uh, our defensive coordinator was talking about it yesterday, it's the late hands. Right? Like, yeah. he, he's going to fool you, right, as to when the ball is coming. Now, Tariq being a former wide receiver, can probably see that better than I, I'm going to give, <laughs> give him credit for. But, <laughs> yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot there. And if he's on the other side, you know, Mike Jackson has been the left corner He's played really well. He's been very physical, and he's not a name that you would maybe recognize around the league, but, but he's been pretty good. And Kobe Bryant, yeah. another rookie who plays nickel, you know, if you get in a situation where you need him, he's been really smart. He had such great coverage in that Bucks game against Evans and against uh, Godwin, and there were just a couple of throws. Brady, I mean, Brady's Brady, right? right like, yeah. You weren't going to make the play, but he was in position to make the play. So, I'll tell you what, Seattle has the best names in the secondary ever. You got Michael Jackson, you got Tariq Woolen, <laughs> you got Kobe Bryant. It doesn't get much better yeah. than that. <laughs> nope, nope, it doesn't. I nope, love it. Great personalities, too. I bet. Kobe Bryant, I remember him when he was at Cincinnati across from Sauce Gardner. Of course, Sauce got all the attention, but Kobe was a heck of a player then. He was really, really good. And Tariq at UTSA as well was a heck of a player. And I was thinking, I was pounding the table, hoping the Raiders were going to grab him. And when Seattle got him, I said, of course they did. Of course they did. They just have that front office, Jen, where they just know what they're looking for and they go get those guys. Yeah, and, you know, this year, because they acquired draft capital with that trade of Russell Wilson to Denver, you could take a couple of chances. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest. Nobody looked at Tariq Woolen and said, he is going to be your starting quarterback from week one. Right. What you, what you kind of thought was you've got enough options. He's going to be, you know, maybe a, a midseason. Maybe, maybe he could earn that spot by midseason. Maybe you're just going to get him a couple of reps, but he's a project. That's not the case. But what the draft allowed Seattle to do was to draft an established guy at every position and then take a, a flyer, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, on somebody else except that, like, your flyer came on the right tackle who has started every game and played every snap after drafting your left tackle in the first round. So they hit well, but they could afford to do that because of the draft capital that they had acquired. 
Yeah, they, they do a really good job in the draft. I've always respected that front office there in Seattle with what they're able to do, and that's a smart approach, and that's why they are, well, who they are. And, and I thought this year was going to be a down year for them, and look, they're tied for first in the NFC West. Well, Jen, we'll get you out with this. Well, we'll ask this question to close things out. As far as this game goes on Sunday, for the Raiders to go into Seattle, which is a very tough place to play for many yeah. different reasons, for them to go in there and get a W, what, what would be the weakness? What would, what would happen to Seattle why the Raiders were, were able to, like, exploit something? Oh, they would get some takeaways. Okay. You know, if Dino tries to force something and, and you, um, you end up flipping field position with the takeaways, that's really what has hurt Seattle. That and, you know, last time out they couldn't convert on third down if you can keep them from converting on third down and force them to make mistakes and take the ball away which i realize that's not necessarily been the strength of the raiders that's defense true. this it's year true. Yep. that combined with the 12s you take the 12s out of it you know by doing that that would lead to a raiders win yeah, I asked Josh McDaniels about that today. I said, "Why is Seattle such a tough place to place play besides the weather and the and the uh, you know and, and the fans?" And he said, "Well, the weather and the fans, and then the team, by the way, is really good too." I mean, it was really it was so funny because that's the truth, right? The weather, the fans, and the team has been so good for so long. That is such a difficult place to play up there in Seattle. But it should be fun. You'll be on the sideline with me, right? No, no, I won't. I'm not going to be there this game. I'm not going to be there this game. You'll you have to truck that one by yourself. But I'm working oh, on it. <laughs> man, you're going to be warm and dry somewhere. I'm going to be freezing my patootie off, but uh, but enjoying all of the environment. Yes, you'll be having a great time, and I know you'll be doing a great job because well, that's what you do. So, Jen, thank thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Great insight. We appreciate you. Have a happy Thanksgiving and enjoy the game on Sunday. Yeah, thanks. Same deal. Bye. All right. Appreciate you. There she goes. Jen Mueller, Root Sports, Seahawks Radio Sideline Reporter. And I wish I was going to be on the sideline this Sunday. That'd be fantastic. Danny, that's the, that's the, that's the goal. That's the goal right there. That's the next step. That's the next step. When, when, when they say, where's Q? Oh, he's on the sideline. That'll well, be it. There you go. Get after it. There you go. Place a bet. Go ahead and get on your app. Get on your little app. I'll, I'll, I'll place a bet that it'll happen. A futures. Put in a futures, right? Absolutely. <laughs> now we're on the same page. That's my guy, Danny. 251 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number one. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. How close is the team to being good? How much tweaking or cleaning up still needs to be done? That's the question I'm throwing out there today. 702-365-9200. Also, the text line is 69187, keyword r Would love to hear from you. Just had a really good conversation with Jim Mueller, the sideline reporting for the Seahawks, giving us a little bit of a preview before we head into the weekend. Got a text from the 908. A year away, a year away to improve. We need a solid wide receiver, too. Better offensive line, sideline to sideline linebacker, another edge rusher corner, a ball hawk of safety, and possibly a better D coordinator. That's Mark in Jersey. That's a lot. That's a lot of improvements that you just uh, rolled out there, Mark. And, you know, I do believe that, you know, the, the edge rusher, another edge rusher would be great. Uh, they, they desperately, desperately need uh, another corner, a strong, solid corner across from Nate Hobbs, right? Ball hawk and safety would be fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, defensive attention that you're having there. I'm okay with that. Uh, got a text from the 303. Oh, for Just Win Wendy, as a matter of fact. Wait, did she say five? The rookie Ty Tyreek Woolen has five interceptions this season? Damn, not fair. We want a guy like that, don't we, Q? Just Win Wendy. Uh, yeah, that's that's real. Tyreek Woolen is fantastic. 
And Tariq Woolen is a guy that I remember at UTSA, and especially with my time in Texas, I, I saw him, and I, I just felt like he was going to be a really good player. Now, I'd be lying to you if I said I thought he was going to have five interceptions uh, his rookie year. I didn't think that. I thought, like what Jen said, that he was going to be a project. But at some point, he could turn out to be a really good player just because of his size and his speed. I didn't think he was going to take off like this. But is it a shock that it's taken off in Seattle? How often does Seattle get a, a guy that's a later-round pick, a fifth-round pick, Richard Sherman, and he turns into a heck of a DB or any of the other Legion of Boom that they have? I mean, they just – certain places find certain players. Like Baltimore, they have a, uh, have a thing with, with uh, linebackers, right? And now they go out and get Roquan Smith, so that's another one. But they, they seem to find cornerstone pieces. There's certain players that they find. They know exactly what it looks like and what they want it to look like. And Seattle just has a knack. They went out and got Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant in the draft, and both guys are succeeding and playing really well for them. Their rookie year. Sometimes you just have to have a knack and know what you're looking for, and they absolutely do know what they're looking for. Uh, we got a text from Raider, 8, Raider at T at 69187, keyword R&R. They need to be fast tempo. Defense needs to get to the quarterback. Uh, just talking about the Raiders in general. I would like to see, and I know JT has mentioned this multiple times, and I've said it as well, I'd like to see the Raiders with a sense of urgency. They don't necessarily have to go fast tempo like Chip Kelly, uh, fast tempo, or you know Cliff Kingsbury-type tempo where it's Big 12, helter-skelter, just go, 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 you know, uh, basketball on, on grass. I'm not saying that, but just every once in a while, just have that up-tempo approach, that, you know, that, that sense of urgency approach. That's something that I think – that they need to have moving forward. And I think Derek Carr uh, does really well when he's in that kind of situation. And I know that uh, Joshua Daniels was asked about that, and he talks about the fact that, you know, to do that, you have to make sure that all your players know exactly what they're going to be doing, what their assignment is, or if they get going too fast, they can mess up. So it's, it's also about discipline and knowing your assignment and also conditioning. Raider at T, thank you for that text as well. 69187, keyword R&R. That is the text line. Hit us up at any point. Question I'm throwing out there, how close is this team to being good? How much tweaking or cleanup do you think they still need to do to take that next step? Coming up next, Amber Theo Harris, Sirius XM Radio, Silver and Black Show with the Raiders. She'll join us to talk all things Raiders, what she saw in that Denver game, what she's expecting in Seattle's game. That's coming up next as we kick off hour number two of the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.